Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about and breaking down the results from the Barcelona special event this past weekend. Maybe a little bit of a surprise deck winning the whole thing. And we will also talk about the Curitiba special events taking place this weekend down in Brazil, down in South America. We will... Talk about Pokemon taking some legal action against the producers and makers and sellers of counterfeit cards on websites like eBay and Amazon. Kind of a big news story there. We'll talk about that and our thoughts on it. We will, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And then we're going to close out this week's episode by chatting about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet 151 set to release this Friday. We're going to chat about the new set coming out, and five cards that we personally are excited to try out, things that we think are going to be solid. Let us know down in the comments what are five cards from Pokemon Card 151 or Pokemon Scarlet and Violet 151 <laughs> that you are so, uh, excited about. And then, of course, we'll wrap it up and have a bonus episode exclusive over to our supporters on Patreon. Be sure to check out the Patreon if you want to get a 30-ish minute bonus episode every single week my name is chip richie joined here as always by my friend and co-host azul Gigi. what's up buddy what's up azul how you doing man i'm doing pretty good chip had a pretty uh standard week i guess in terms of uh content creation um i'm looking forward to the next couple weeks of that or i guess like two about two weeks then we're gonna get ready for i got a lot of traveling in october you got uh peoria regional sacramento regionals and then i got TwitchCon the week after that, and then the week after that is Toronto Regional. So I got four weekends in a row of travel um, entering October. So enjoying the lack of travel right now here towards the end of September. But it was a fun week. I did do a, a VOD review of the Barcelona special event over the weekend. Um, actually, VOD review day two with Grant Manley, which was fun to have someone else on there to talk about. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> the, uh, the gameplay and the action and stuff like that. So it was good. Yeah, but it was cool to see. Uh, it's cool to bother you. I really enjoy. I enjoy. It's so much more fun to do it live than like an actual vod. And I'm gonna try and do that with. Uh, Kur, was it Kurachiba? Is that how you pronounce it? Kurachiba. Yep. Kurachiba this weekend. It's, uh, it sounds like there's supposed to be a stream. I asked my chat a couple times throughout last week, and they seem. I think to I say, saw a yeah. tweet about it today. Was there a tweet too? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, for Barcelona, the time zoning of it all is like not good for me because it would the stream would like start at midnight and then go to like 9 a.m i'm not trying to stay up from midnight to 9 a.m to live water or to live review something like barcelona but curachiba time zone would be a little bit better for me i'm not sure when it exactly starts um for me or what time zone stuff is happening um but yeah i'm definitely going to be yeah i see your tweet i see the tweet now um yep. I'm gonna be trying to watch that one live this weekend. Maybe not all of it. I'll probably miss some of the the first couple rounds, but I'll get like the, the be able to watch the more important rounds um, as it happens. But yeah. What about YouTube? How was your week? Yeah, pretty good. I actually took a trip this weekend. I went to Vegas with a group of friends. I've never been to mm -hmm. Vegas before. Had a pretty good time. Wait, uh, actually, I, bunch... I swear yeah, I've, I've talked. I've before literally about never you been being... to Vegas before. Yeah. I do. I swear we've talked about you being to Vegas before. Like nope. I'm not even capping. Really? <laughs> nope. Never oh, okay. been. <laughs> never been. I swear. All right. <laughs> it was super cool though. I had a great time. Um, hung out with some friends, played some Pokemon, 
did some Vegasy type things. Um, you win big. What's up? Did you win big? Uh, you know, I did not, and that <laughs> is where we can leave that discussion. You know, some people come into Vegas with big hopes and dreams, and then come home without those. And I came home without those, and that's okay. That's okay. No, but it was a fun time. It was good to catch up with a bunch of people. And yeah, truly was a blast. Um, that's cool that you and Grant did that. I actually didn't realize you had Grant on to do that with you. That's definitely really cool. I actually, on my flight, uh, Delta now is starting to like roll out Wi-Fi on some of these longer mm-hmm. flights. So you can like just watch YouTube videos on your phone during your flight. Um, and free I watch or yeah, free Wi-Fi. no free Wi-Fi or is it not free, free Wi-Fi yet? if you're like a Sky Miles member, but it's oh, like okay, free okay. to become a Sky Miles member. You know, we got, we're so, we got to be so close to just like free Wi-Fi no matter what one airline just going to do it one time and then everyone yeah. else is going to have to follow. So we got to wait for that first person, that first airline to kind of well, Delta's kind of doing it, I think. I don't know. But close. Um, yeah, I remember watching a video with MKBHD. Do you know who he is? A big tech YouTuber. That sounds um, familiar. Yeah. yeah, he's like Matt, like. I, like 15 plus million YouTube subscribers. Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Uh, and it was like a Q&A someone did with him on and it was like the question they asked was like, why is Wi-Fi on planes like such a difficult thing for us to like make happen technically? And his answer was pretty much just like he, he thinks it's like super complicated, but I don't know like the exact thing, but it's like it sounds like they're getting to the point where it's going to be more of a, a doable thing and it's not going to cost you like 20 or 30 dollars for one flight to be able to do that but anyway so since i had wi-fi i actually watched your vod reviews on my plane of the pittsburgh regionals because i think it's like super insightful for sure to like um be able to like see inside the mind of like why certain decisions are right certain decisions are wrong stuff like that and um just like good breakdown and i'm sure like for the players who are getting their matches reviewed by you it's like like literally like a free coaching session like people want to get on stream uh just because they like like to be on stream but they should really want to be on stream because azul can review their match (laughs) and they can like get feedback and learn how to become better like that's honestly maybe one of the best selling points of of getting on to the to the broadcast so uh, but yeah, it was cool. It's cool to uh, I, I'm excited now to go back and watch you and Grant. I hope Grant didn't like, uh, you know, go in too hard on anyone for <laughs> <laughs> making too big of mistakes. But yeah, maybe um, like I'm I, I'm generally pretty like straightforward and like harsh myself. I did the air quotations for anyone who's listening. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like too harsh, but yeah, I'm, I'm never like going after the players personally or anything like that. I never say anyone doesn't deserve to be there. Anyone's like specifically like bad, but we all make mistakes. And that's just what I'm kind of there to talk about. Uh, but it's fun to do it with like someone else there for sure. Yeah, it's not my it's my it's like some of my most popular content when I stream it. It's not my most popular content when I re-upload it to YouTube. Uh, but the people yeah. who do like it, and that's something for anyone who's listening, check out my YouTube channel, Azul GG and Azul GG2. That's where all the a lot of it more a lot more of it makes it up on my secondary YouTube channel, but some of the more interesting rounds, um, or, or on like the VOD's higher, channel, that's where I watched it. Yeah, on the on my I like yeah, or on the VOD's channel, but it's like cut up a little bit better on my secondary YouTube channel. Um, if you guys want to check that out and check out the uh, the VOD review, uh, Azul's breakdown. a man of many channels. Yeah, <laughs> oh, look, so check it out. Over look there. at that plug in the podcast channel <laughs> on the VOD's channel. There you go. You love. Yeah, to we see got it. them all. Um, 
but yeah, the people who do like it seem to really, really like that content um, for sure. So I definitely something I just want to keep doing. And then I know a lot of people like doing it live on the stream. A lot of people enjoy watching me do it live on the stream, but it doesn't not, it's not as big of my biggest views do not come from that on my YouTube channel, but it's not a big deal. I'm going to keep, keep up with it and keep doing it. And so, like I said, it's a lot more enjoyable when you do it live. Cause like, you know, you do know like kind of who has already won the tournament when you're doing the VOD and stuff yeah, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, like there has to sometimes be some certain outcomes when you're like talking through lines of play. It's like, okay, they need to whiff this. And because I know they win this match, <laughs> the whiff <laughs> probably happens. So, yeah. but when it's live, you know, it's a lot more suspenseful and stuff like that. So I'm For excited sure. to hopefully be able to do uh courage live this weekend. I just noticed in the tweet that we're looking at here, they didn't plug the Twitch channel. It might be in the replies. It's probably just on the Copag YouTube channel. That's a, yeah, that's, a, that's a like how do you not plug the tw where it's gonna happen <laughs> you're like all this is going down now it's up to you to find out <laughs> where <laughs> like, yeah a little, well, bit, wanna... little bit of an oversight potentially yeah. but i'm not trying that's... to be a detective out here you know but I'll, yeah it's not that hard to find i'm sure but still sometimes whenever i see things like that it always like irks me a little bit as a content creator because i think doing that like making sure you plug things or tell people where to go making it you should make it always easier for the consumer that's something like i've learned as I've, uh, you know, become a content creator. Um, but I think I did just find the channel right now. Games, twitch.tv slash games copag. Uh, there you there's, go. there's Pokemon in the logo. That seems like it's probably it. But yeah, uh, making it easier for the consumer is definitely something you always want to do. So, but, um, but yeah, excited to hopefully watch that live this weekend. Well, with that all out of the way, let's get into our first topic on this week's episode. And it's going to be chatting about the results from the Barcelona special event. Of course, took place over in Spain this past weekend. Like I said, I was in Vegas and we actually had it on the TV in the house we were renting. Uh, but it was super weird. Like we're hanging out, staying up late. It's midnight. And then it's like the tournament starting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, it just feels super yeah, the time zone difference is like from East Coast to EU, it's like five, six hours. But then West Coast, West. it's just like that much more, you know, so it's like nine hours. Yeah, we're starting to go to bed and they're starting their day. It's pretty wild. But <laughs> um, but yeah, there, it was a official live stream by the Pokemon Company International. We talked about this last week. They're going to be streaming all of the European events, which is definitely like a solid thing for the game overall, like that they're investing in it. Um, maybe a little bit of a bummer because less rounds are streamed. I actually don't know. Did they stream everything they, day two? I forget. Now that you mentioned it, I forget to be honest. I'm going to go look it up right now on my VOD. They did stream round three. They started at round three in day one. Um, it looks so... like It looks like they did start in round 10 of day two so that's actually yeah. pretty good um, so they did they did do, do more rounds <laughs> yeah that is weird isn't it like that they it goes a little bit off for sure that over in in europe they're streaming more rounds they start at round three in day one but i think that's the big i think the bigger thing is like streaming more of the day two rounds for sure like if you start in round three in day one it's like kind of all right who kind of like it's that much harder for them to even get a good quality match to throw on stream for round one and round two you know so um yeah, so round uh yeah, starting at like round round three is definitely fine. Uh, I think overall in day like that's fine in day one. But yeah, so the day missing out on some of the day two rounds really kind of sucks. You know, I had this kind of and like this comes up a lot. Now that, that now that we're here talking about their stream happening, um, I really think it is and some people like I saw someone like tweet out and I think it is important to like showcase newer 
players who haven't been on stream before. Yep. Um, and stuff like that. I, but I think like it's, uh, it's also a pretty big deal to like put familiar names out there. I think it's more important. Like that's yeah. like should be the baseline to start with. Like I was like I've been watching a lot of CS:GO tournaments recently, in like the mornings when I'm getting like ready before I start my streaming stuff. A mm-hmm. lot of European CS:GO tournaments are happening, and there was one happening over the weekend. And this kind of like it hit me as like how important it is to have familiar names there. There was a CS:GO. It wasn't a tournament, but I've been turning into the rest of those qualifiers like in the morning sometimes. But there was two teams I didn't recognize the names at all, and I was like, okay, I'm just not going to tune in. Like I don't know these teams. There was no big name team. But whenever there's been at least one of the two teams be a big name, I always tune in. But I was like, I don't recognize these two CSGO teams. Why would I ever tune into this? Um, and that kind of made me think, okay, like, how much does that apply to Pokemon and big names of Pokemon? I was like, I, that has to still apply, right? I would like, And I've talked about it before. I'd like, much rather tune into uh, a stream, and it's usually European streams for me because I'm playing at the North American ones. Like if, if Stefan or Tord or uh, even like Fabian here, like if I recognize Fabian's name there, I'm much more likely to want to tune in and watch those watch those streams yep. when it's just joe schmo versus joe schmo it's like especially in early rounds it's like how much how much how much more do i care about this game not as much um, yep. it's, it, but it's good when you get you know like a known player versus you know someone who it is their first time but i think i don't know it's something that i've seen discussed on twitter recently is like making sure that newer players get their first time on stream whatever which is still good to have happen but i think uh yeah it's not bad to show the same names over and over and over again if it, it keeps viewers interested yeah, I mean, I think it is important to do both of those things, give new people yeah. a chance, but then also feature like the heroes that we already have, right? The players that yeah. we, we already know who they are. Um, I just think, yeah. And it's pretty, I, in- and we do try to make a conscious effort to do like both of those things. Yeah. Like we know going into a round when we're picking two players that people don't know, it's like, you know, we're trying to build up a story of, you know, maybe a new hero in the future or something like that. You know, like, um, uh, round seven or whatever it was in Pittsburgh, we had you know two players who we'd never had on before, but they were both like content creators, right? So like people who yeah. are involved in some way, one of them being a Pittsburgh local, right? Um, so it's like there's conscious efforts to do all those things, but it's also funny too because like I see all the posts and stuff like that, and it just like s- some people will see you know the one round that we feature someone who they've seen twenty times, and they're like, why are we featuring the same people over and over again? And then also some people will see the round of two random people that they've never heard of before and it'll be like why are we featuring these people whenever yeah towards this... playing in the tournament you know yeah. <laughs> so i i mean it just i have to, i i have to take all of these things with a grain of salt as like one of the people who's involved with the decision making there because you just can't you literally you cannot please everybody it's kind of just like Definitely. a known thing it like any in any line of you know, life that you are doing something that involves something like this, where you're trying to like appease a crowd, appease an audience. You're just literally <laughs> not going to ev- ever be able to appease everybody, but it's yeah. like a difficult thing to <laughs> understand and accept uh, because we try to do both of those things, but then it just doesn't matter because one round someone will say, why didn't you do this? And then one round someone will say, why didn't you do this? Yeah. The reality is there's a dozen great matches every single round that I would love to put on, but we only get to have one you know yeah it just kind of hit me that's like oh it's like this like it literally like my mental process when i was trying when i was looked at the csgo tournament that was happening was like i don't want to watch this because i don't recognize a name Mm -hmm. that's playing right now and i was like oh and then i was like it literally happened in the moment and then i like realized what just happened and i was like okay this like makes such a makes more sense to me as like why it's important for make sure you do put so it's like just outside of people recognizing that the pokemon tcg is being played put a name in there as well that they recognize um, cause I like, I feel like I've seen way too many people discuss or talk about, like, it doesn't matter who you put on, um, people are still going to watch, but I think it, it does matter. You do want like, you know, like the attraction of something, a cool deck mm-hmm. or 
the one thing that you can always just jump to is like a name that everyone knows in the community as well. Yeah. But yeah, just a little thought, a little tangent there because that happened to me this week with that CSGO game I almost tuned into and then I realized I didn't recognize either of the team names and I didn't care. So I didn't tune in. Um, so I haven't watched a lot of this. We had, like I said, I had it on the background kind of a little bit yeah. this weekend, but didn't really watch it <clears throat> super in depth. Definitely wasn't like listening to the matches or anything like that. So I, I want to go back and watch some of that. Maybe I, I guess I'll watch your uh, VOD review of it this week potentially, but um one thing I did notice, and I saw people talking about this on Twitter, was kind of a, a change to the layout here from what we have over here in America is the energy supporter retreat kind of markers that were up on the screen for each of yeah. the players. This is actually something that they have on the streams over in Japan. They've had for mm -hmm. a long time a little indicator so that, you know, whoever backstage can signify, and that way it helps both the audience and the players or I guess not the players, but like, you know, helps the audience and like the casters stay up. It's to actually date right there. The players happening. can touch the, the energy supporter touch, and yeah, retreat yeah, yeah. things. Like if they just reach up and over, <laughs> they can actually interact with them. Right. Um, yeah. yeah I think what did you think? What did you think of this like addition to the, the show? For me, I'm not a huge, for me, I could go without it. Um, whether it's there or not doesn't really matter too much to me. I do catch myself sometimes not re not realizing if they had done one of those actions before. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's fine that it's there. Yeah, they started doing it in Japan. Like I think just last season is when Japan started doing it as well. So it's not even like been that long of time sure. in Japan. Um, and but yeah, I think it's I think it's fine. It's probably better overall. Like for newer players um, or people who just aren't following as much uh, as the game as the games are happening. Like usually I'm like a little bit more intently watching what's happening because um, I'm like vod reviewing the gameplay specifically. Um, so, but I think overall it's probably a plus. Um, I think like just the the gra the way it's laid out in this game in this way specifically is pretty done pretty poorly. I think overall because well, one thing is the supporter, but the supporter, what do you call it? What do you say? Supporter button. I was calling them buttons, but what do you call those things? Indicator. Yeah, supporter indicator. indicator is a different shade. So it looks like the supporter is just used if none of them are used, right? So everything should be the same shade. Um, and then I don't like that they're not attached to the graphic and they're kind of floating there. It's a little bit jarring and like distracting um, that like the the energy supporter retreat indicators aren't like connected to the rest of the overlay graphic. Um, yeah, I think that is like right here or something like that. Yeah, we were actually talking about it on my stream a little bit. It's like, how could they do it better? They could just do one and like they could stack them in the bottom left and bottom right corners as well. They could like stack them on top of each other and put them in the bottom left and bottom right corners. They could do stack them together and just use one set for both players and put it in the top middle um, or something like that. But they're very distracting the way they're currently laid out. And then the fact that the supporter is a different shade than the retreat and the energy, if you just tune in, it just looks like the supporter has been used for both players constantly. So they, I think those are two things that should change. Connect it to the rest of the overlay in some way, put it somewhere. It shouldn't be too hard. There's probably a bunch of different good ways you could do it. Currently, it's too distracting, I think, where it's currently laid out. And then I don't understand why supporters are a different shade than the other two. But besides that, I think it's like probably a... a a good thing to have on the stream overall. Like I said, for me, I can go with it or without it personally, but I think overall for the general viewer base, it's going to be a positive. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely a good thing. I'm not sure if we're going to get this in the North American regionals or not. I would assume, you know, if they're doing it, we probably should be doing it in the future, but I don't know for sure. So we'll Unless find we out in Peoria, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, it was, it, if it was like a if it was received positively, then they should only add it to the the streams over here in north america it seems like a weird disconnect to happen if it, they don't but yeah um i guess we'll see peoria coming up in a couple of weeks and i guess we could also wait and see there's going to be the stream this weekend it's not going to be uh, an official tbci stream for the latin american uh 
regional for coming Achiba. up this weekend. Yeah, for for Chiba, but they might have it as well. It'd be interesting to see if they have it on there as well. Well, let's get into the <clears throat> excuse me, get into the results of the actual event itself. It was won by Francisco Santiago, who was playing Rapid Strike Urshifu Intellion. Is this this is? Oh no, sorry. What am I saying? I was gonna say, is this yeah, the first one NAIC. for this deck? But no, no, it won an AIC, Definitely. obviously. Um, but I mean, ever since Cyrus won with the deck, it was already on the radar when Cyrus won with the deck, but yeah. kind of ever since then, it's still just hung around as a popular enough deck. And I think it's kind of just one of those things that it it just takes them hitting the right matchups, dodging the Muse and the Lugias, and hitting everything else that um you know, takes that for someone to, you know, just make a deep run with it. And if it hits the right bracket in top cut, I mean, we see the rest of these top cut decks, Lost Box, Gardevoir, it's pretty yeah. solid matchups across the board for the deck, right? Yeah, yeah. It is definitely a little bit more of a matchup-based deck than a lot of the decks in the current meta. A lot of the a lot of the current meta decks are a lot of 50-50s across the board. Um, Urshifu, even with the Mutex, we see the Mutex are here, the Giacomo and the Spiritomb in here. Uh, for Francisco, gives you a chance against Mew, not a very good one if the Mew player knows what you're doing. Um, and then your Lugia matchup is literally atrocious. Um, and Lugia was pretty close to beating the Guard War in top four, so it was almost it was almost like a guaranteed dub for Lugia if they had gone past that. The matchup is so hard for <laughs> into uh, for Rapid Strike to beat. They have to like yeah, if they, if they if Lugia plays Serena, it's basically basically over. So and the Lugia player was rocking the Serena, so it's very close to potentially being a Lugia dub overall. But a Guardi did make it to the finals and got pretty uh, easily dismantled from Francisco. The the draws weren't great for Michael uh, with the guard war, but mm -hmm. uh, the matchup is just really, really good for Rapid Strike unless you like brick early and the guardy player gets a little bit of time. Um, but this is one of like, Francisco was like one on like turn four with like back-to-back -back yoga loop plays. Like not like yoga looping twice in a row, but yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was, it was, it was like pretty much, it, it was cool to see because it was like Rapid Strike at its finest kind of or at its maximum potential in the in the first game at the very least. The second game wasn't quite as uh, quite as ridiculous with the combos, but it was, it was still quite a bit. Yeah, so cool to see Rapid Strike getting a win. It makes me wonder, you know, moving forward, we're going to see it like increase in meta share even more. I think it was something like 6% or so in uh, Pittsburgh. You know, it, I mean, it just does have good lost box yeah. and gardevoir matchups right and as long as those decks remain popular um you know it makes you wonder something to note here missing from this top eight a couple of kind of prominent decks no lostina no maridon either mm -hmm. yeah no lostina no maridon there was the charizard popped up pretty popular overall i mean yeah i guess compared comparatively it was on the top six most popular decks lugia was not there and that probably led to rapid strike a little bit more of rapid strike success potential was uh, Lugia was not in the top six most popular decks in the uh, in the tournament, which is yeah, like I said, <clears throat> the deck that Rapid Strike does not want to hit. Uh, I believe Maridon was on there, if I remember correctly. Uh, but Charizard was also up there. Charizard was up there at like eight percent. It was the sixth most popular deck at the tournament, and that's like something Maridon really doesn't want to see. Um, it's really hard to want to KO a Charizard with anything but Raichu, and then if you do KO with the Raichu, you expend like basically all of your energy and play to do so, and then if you have a follow up Charizard, you kind of just fall apart. Um, and then also, I mean, if you look at the top eight specifically, Lost Box, Gardvor, generally favored against the Maridon matchup. Uh, Lugia is a pretty close matchup against Maridon. And then Rapid Strike, I'm not too sure on, to be honest. I don't know if it's, pop, or it's favored or unfavored for the I assume Rapid Strike is probably favored, but like they do have a way to one hit KO the Urshi through the, through the Raichu. So I don't actually know about that one, to be honest. But um, yeah, Maridon missing, Lost Tina missing. 
To be honest, to me personally, that seems reasonable. Lost Tina getting even a top eight at Pittsburgh was probably a fluke, to be honest. <laughs> well, there's still a couple here in the top 16. Far Looks far. like three in the top 16, a few more <laughs> down in the top 32. Um, but, I mean, not very many Maradons. There's a couple more Urshifus hanging around here. Yeah. We do see some Charizard still popping up here. This is over on Pokestats Live, so it's not like a 1,000% accurate necessarily. We won't know until the organizers release the deck lists. But, I mean, some pretty good, you know, notable players being on the Charizard. Kim Pobega from Italy, yeah. someone who's, you know, been pretty successful in the past. Um, Niels Jurgensen from Germany, another name I recognize with the Charizard. So it's like, seems like some pretty decent players decided to play it for the tournament. And it just kind of shows like it is is a it's just a good card right like the card is just like very powerful yeah. it just uh maybe pittsburgh wasn't quite the right time for it people have a little bit more of an opportunity to cook the meta develops a little bit more whatever it is you know i i don't think we've seen the last from charizard ex for sure um but i think it is interesting that the list that did the best from alberto here is one that uh is not kind of the standard list right it's it's not the Arceus with the Pidgeot is what the way we see most people playing it. It's actually using a Comfey Lost Zone box engine. It's got, I mean, it's pretty much just like a Lost Box deck with like a 303 Charizard crammed in here to make it work as well. So you've got Cramorant, you've got Sableye. Also, what do you make of this version of the deck? Um, It's interesting. I was actually trying out like a Lost Zone build pre- Pittsburgh and I like I feel like you get off like the turn two candy Zard pretty consistently. Um, I wasn't running it with I was actually running kind of similar to Kim's list where it was like the loss on stuff, but no Sableye, no potential for the Greninja attack, which is basically what Kim was running. Um, uh, it was just like loss on plus Zard and that's it. Um, and it, it felt pretty consistent. Um, with the Sableye and stuff, Sableye fixes like a ton of your math for sure because that's like one of Charizard's biggest thing. We see people like playing like a choice belt and a vitality band to try and fix some of those weird numbers that come up with the deck to help you get cleaner KOs. Um, and you do have to like kind of take a turn off to like attack with the Sableye. Um, but when it fixes like not the numbers for just like your next knockout with charge up, potentially like a future knockout as well. Um, or especially against the, against the guard board matchup, being able to get like a double KO on them. One KO in a charge or they have to definitely like put a ton of damage on something to be able to get one KO on a charge or then you can clean up the Sableye after that. Um, I feel like, I mean, Sableye is such a powerful Pokemon. You got two powerful Pokemon I mean, it, it definitely is makes the deck p powerful. Um, and then you even have like the ability to utilize like the Greninja and stuff in there yeah, the as two well. Two water so. energy is kind of crazy. Yeah, only two gates as well. <laughs> so uh how consistently are you gonna be able to utilize the Greninja? Not often. I think I, I think Alberto even tweeted basically you just I think he, he said that he, he was like lost only a water energy more often than not, and that just made his opponent have to play around it. Like just kind of like representing the threat of it was more of a more of an impact than actually utilizing it, it seemed like. Um, and I mean, if they don't respect it you, throughout a game, you don't have to get that lucky to pull it off by like a turn three or turn four, potentially. So you'll be able to get there eventually for sure. I actually found the, was this the day one? Yeah, I found the day one percentages for decks. It was 16% lost Tina, 13% Gardvor, 11% lost it here in Discord and I'll show it. Okay, good call. We do see... It was three lost box in the top eight as well. None of them getting much farther, probably due to the Charizard and the Urshifu in cut as well. Like those seem like two pretty miserable matchups, honestly. And especially if the Charizard, I mean, does the Charizard having, um, does the Charizard having Sableye like make the matchup that much worse even? 
for uh for what tech sorry for lost box like the fact that they've got this massive hp thing but then also at the end of the game they can like threaten the spread damage of sableye or do you think it doesn't maybe make a, big of a difference in that matchup probably not too big of a difference I, I wouldn't imagine it does um overall i think lost box is probably content with the uh with you they want you to use sableye basically so a lot of the sure. lists we've looked at for Charizard are the um, Lost Box version. So it does make me kind of wonder if the way the graphic and like the data gets broken down here, is that grouped in with Lost Zone Box here, less so than Charizard? Because this Charizard EX is shown uh, alongside yeah. Arceus, right? Yeah, where where I don't know where they're going. Well, you, I sent you the day two stats as well. Maybe you could oh yeah. you could look at that versus. The Pokestats live breakdown because it says what there's four ch- or five Charizard decks in day two. How many Charizard decks are in day two here that are like currently listed on live? One, two. Well, see this. Three. I don't know which. Well, just count version. all the char. Just count all the Charizards. See how many. That's One, two, three, three, four, four five. five. Is that um? Is that all of it? That's all of it. Yeah. That's all of it. So I think I think Charizard's probably being counted in that Arceus. Char- I think someone in my stream said that that's what it was as well. I, mean, I don't know how where that's they got good, the information yeah. from, but. Um, one thing I did want to make note of was the, uh, this is what I kind of said, I think on the last podcast, like Lugia almost feels like a deck that Europe won't play. And it wasn't in, it wasn't in the top six most popular decks. I'm sure it wasn't far behind Charizard at the 8.4%. It was probably around like seven, right? Uh, but mm. we saw the day two conversion was very good then, right? It went from not on the day one graphic to the second most popular deck in day two, Lugia was. So made its way up there. Kind of, uh, I feel like, Proving its uh proving its power level in the current meta, which is it's a deck that I definitely think pretty highly of right now for sure, um because no one's really I mean the, the Temple of Sinnoh just don't exist. No one's doing it. We saw like one Temple of Sinnoh from yeah. Radnor at Pittsburgh who got ninth. Um, I but think none of the guards are putting it back in. So I think you would have pushed harder to play Lugia in Pittsburgh if you like enjoyed the deck. <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit. Yeah, it's just not fun to play. It's a good deck. I think it's very powerful right now. But if I can avoid it, like if I don't think it's that that broken, it's just such a miserable experience to play. Um, but I think I do think it is very powerful right now. Very good choice, especially if like Rapid Strike winning. That almost that none of no Lugia in the top or only one Lugia in the top eight is Barcelona as well, and Rapid Strike winning like that even like adds like a little bit more, um, you know, recency bias, meta manipulation to the meta. Meta people are gonna look at that and be like, oh, Rapid Strike won. It's such a good deck. I want to play Rapid Strike. And then, you know, roll up with Lugia, bop him, move on. <laughs> there it is. Well, I mean, and speaking of meta manipulation or moving forward <laughs> in the meta, there is the special event this weekend. So if we got Regional, any listeners. Regional, not special event. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Regional's down in Brazil this weekend. So if we got any listeners from Brazil or Latin America anywhere that are headed down that way, um, what do you think they should take away from these two tournaments we've seen thus far in the meta? You know, what do you feel like? I mean, we're not going to do the full tier list thing again that we did for Pittsburgh, but, you know, what are yeah. the top tier plays in the format right now? Is Gardevoir still ranking that high for you as it was heading into Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think so, because I don't like to expect Rapid Strike to get out of hand or anything like that. Um, so I think Gardevoir is still like my tier S deck in the form. The reason I like have Gardevoir at tier S is just because I don't think it's like that much better than anything else. But the only bad matchup is Rapid Strike. Whereas, like, I think Lugia is a really good deck. I think Rapid Strike, or I think Lost Box is a really good deck. I think Rapid Strike is a really good deck as well. But if there's too much Mew or too much Lugia, Rapid Strike suffers. If there's too much Lugia, Lost Box suffers. 
Um, so like there's something like something suffers to everything. Guardvor's only thing it suffers to is Rapid Strike. But the thing is, like Rapid Strike is a deck that is a little bit more fra more fragile in the meta than something like a Lugia. So if you have a bad matchup against Lugia, you know, it's something you're going to consistently have to deal with. Having a bad matchup to Rapid Strike, it's like you can definitely kind of figure out when Rapid Strike will be popular enough where you should truly ever worry about it as Garbar, which I don't think will ever happen in the in the meta. So I think most decks are just good plays right now. I think um, I wouldn't, like, overly uh, probably invest too much. Like, if, if you've been practicing with a deck leading up to this uh, this regional over in Brazil, over in Latin America this weekend, I wouldn't, like, all of a sudden suddenly start panic testing a charizard deck that you saw do well at barcelona this weekend i'd probably just stick with your play um and and you know make good on the time you've invested so far because that's like pretty really good only... just advice in general I yeah think. don't like panic start testing a charizard deck that you thought was cool from barcelona you know just stick with what you kind of got going so far but i think the meta is still pretty about where it was a lot of really solid plays right now still wouldn't be a huge fan of lost tina but if that's what you've invested most of your time up to up to this point then you should rock the lost tina i think for sure because like i said i don't think it's like a bad deck i just i wouldn't play it but um yeah i think everything's about in in about the same spot as it was like there's not too much more to to change i guess maybe you're a little worried if you like rapid strike was your deck going into the tournament you may be a little bit more sketched out because it did win um sure. but i don't know if you really are too much the meta is just so open right now I, like i wouldn't stress about anything too much i think just kind of just kind of play what you've been working on yeah, there, there's so many decks in the format right now. It just kind of feels more like a matchup roulette almost. Like, I mean, if you play really well, right? You just uh, play one of the solid choices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like, but the thing is, is like, <clears throat> so many of the good decks are just so close in matchup percentages to one another. Yeah. Right? Like, Gardevoir versus Lost Box, right? I mean, it's like, what, 55, 45, one way or the other sometimes. <laughs> you know, it can go back and Depends forth depending on what you're feeling. Or, um, you know, Lugia versus Gardevoir, a close matchup. Um, it doesn't really feel like there's that many, like, one-sided matchups. But the decks that have the one-sided matchups, it's like the Urshifus, right? Where it's, you're one-sided yeah. either one way or the other. So it really does, that feels more like a, a casino play, you know? picking something like the Urshifu because you really are just hoping to to hit the right matchups um which there's nothing like necessarily wrong with that and we've seen people have plenty of success kind of rolling with that i mean francisco literally just won this special event uh yeah. probably going into the event knowing you know what i've got these texts from you still a bad matchup i lose Lugia's. to lugia <laughs> but uh we're gonna roll with it and see what happens and they end up getting the win yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't think like, the meta is going to be pushed so far in a direction that you shouldn't play Rapid Strike. Um, I guess you could maybe make some analysis to potentially not... I would say, I guess maybe one deck that I would be a little bit wary about playing would probably be Maridon. Um, Just like Lost Box seems like it's almost gaining more steam. Mm -hmm. And also Gardvor, um, a little bit more popular post Pittsburgh as well. And both those matchups are pretty tough from Maridon. I think even if you go back to like a path Maridon build, you're still struggling against the Guardvor overall. And your sure. Lost Box matchup has never been great. So I'd say, I don't know, maybe Maridon had its moments in Pitts had its moment in Pittsburgh, and we won't really see it rise up again until maybe it gets like the uh I guess it's only one more event to 151. So maybe the Zapto CX will be enough to like give it a little bit more power to work with, which we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit later. But um yeah, Maridon might be my Maridon might be the one deck that if I looked at the way the meta's been going. Um, I would say maybe Maridon's checked out for this for this next weekend, but I don't, I don't expect a lot from it for sure. Yeah, we'll so I feel like the Latin American players really like Guardvor as well. Like we see people like Gustavo, Pedro Petrucci, 
Um, I think even like Diego yeah. and stuff like that. Like this, most a lot of the top players, a lot of the, a lot of the Latin American players in general seem to be playing guard for as well. So that'd be like another reason to not play Mariah on, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gardevoir definitely still feels like it's going to be a popular choice amongst the top players, pretty much no matter what region you're in. I mean, we even saw here in Barcelona, Tor did get top eight. Um, still playing Gardevoir, yeah. still sticking with it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Pretty sick uh, <laughs> run of tournaments for Tor, honestly. I mean, second place yeah. Worlds, top 32 in Pittsburgh, biggest regionals ever, and then top eighting uh, as the first seed, the special event here in Barcelona. But... <clears throat> Um, yeah, this will be the last regional championships of this format. The next regionals will be Peoria, which will have Scarlet and Violet 151 legal. Not something that I think is going to have a massive meta impact, but there are definitely Hopefully a couple does. cards that are pretty dang good. And we'll talk about those later on. To uh, be honest, it would kind of suck if it didn't. Because now I'm like kind of realizing that I have I have three regionals in potentially just an extended format, which would kind of suck. Hopefully something gets switched up from 151. <laughs> Otherwise, I think it's Mew just... is good enough that it like you know <sighs> it's just makes, like a tech card in like a bit. in good current decks though. You know, what I'm saying it's not like although like Call it of changes become... play though. It changes play right, which like I mean yes, but like if you don't change the decks, <laughs> the fundamentals of the matchups are still about the same. I, you know, to be honest, if Mew makes every deck with Greninja like not good, I'd be fine with that. Like that would be that'd be a good shakeup. I'd be down for that. Like slows the format down. Maybe happen. battle VIP pass isn't as important. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> <laughs> we got away for rotation on that. To be honest, this is like the one time um, I kind of wish rotation hit sooner because, like, I definitely was a fan of. I'm definitely the fan. I've been a fan of the idea of getting us more synced up with Japan for forever, and it seems like that's happening, right? The set release of Paradox Rift is like a week after the the effective uh, set in Japan, right? And mm-hmm. then our rotation has followed Japan last season. And we haven't heard anything about rotation this season. And usually you hear yeah. about it before World. So our rotation is 100% going to align with Japan this year. Um, so it'll be in January or February, I assume, which is good. But you know, to be honest, if we got like an early rotation this year and then went back to like the uh, matching up with Japan next season. I wouldn't hate that because then Battle VIP Pass would be gone. <laughs> <laughs> whatever gets vip pass out sooner is what is yeah. voting for and if they just banned it to be honest like i mean they're not gonna do that but i would i would be down i'd be down restricted to one of or something like that yeah a spec a spec pass a spec pass okay well uh with all that being said we can move on to our next topic we will of course next week be talking about the results from uh Kurichiba, so you definitely want to stay tuned next week for that we'll keep our i do you want to do a prediction i guess real quick what deck we think will win yeah we could do we could do uh just one little here. quick prediction yeah um we could do we could do two we could do like what deck we think will win or should we separate it maybe right, look, let's just do, roll with it we're not making the decision what are right, what here. deck will win <laughs> yeah uh Ooh, there's just too many good players. I'm going with Guardvor. Too many good Latin American players play Guardvor. It's got to be the Guardvor. Yeah, I feel like that's a solid choice. Um, uh, for me, on my end, I think I'm going to pick... I guess I'll just pick Lost Box, to be honest. <laughs> Feels like the other safe choice kind of bes- besides that. Like you said, it does feel like Lost Box is picking up a little bit of steam right now. I don't know if it's the Kyogre uh, or just kind of Turbo. It feels like even after Estrada won with Kyogre, it didn't really affect much that happened in Barcelona, I didn't feel like. You know, we didn't see like Manaphy's and Muse, I don't feel like, did we? <laughs> or anything like that. But um just lost box in general feels solid probably turbo box yeah 
Definitely. Actually, we should go back on our or my trip. And did we have any predictions last week for? I think all we did was what players we thought would do the best. Oh yeah, who'd you end up picking? I remember? picked Stefan and Adam Hawkins. I don't even know if Adam Hawkins was there to be honest. Yeah, I'm not sure. I picked Owen. Owen, I think, uh, yeah. lost the one and in. Picked Owen I thought and... Owen didn't make it. Or was that Brennan that didn't? One of the brothers didn't even make it to the tournament. I think they both ended up going. I th- yeah, because I think Brennan made, day- Brennan made day two, lost oh, the one to top okay. eight, and Owen didn't make day two. I think they were debating not going is what I understood from the tweet, because like, their flight got canceled or something, and then they had to like, get a new flight. Work. Yeah, and then the other one I picked was Magnus, and Magnus was in day two. Um, yeah, I think we're going to give you the uh, the, the win there. I don't yeah. think either of my two players made it in today, too, unfortunately. <laughs> well, let's do it one just be let's, like that. Let's do one more prediction real fast, and let's pick a player. Which player do you think will place highest? What is you, Who is your pick for highest-placing player? Um, My pick for highest-placing player... Well, I want to pick someone who I think is going to play... Um, well, it doesn't have to be lost, because it says, just have to place higher than the player I pick. Yeah, but like I'm gonna double down on my <laughs> investment. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let me just look at the leaderboards real quick. Who do you think will? Names. Who do you think will also play Lost Box and place very well? Right. Uh, let me look at 2023 because a lot of these names 2024 right now <laughs> is like the, uh, or the cup uh, players grinders. who are the, the cup grinders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Fabrizio. I feel like Fabrizio. Fabrizio uh, only plays Mew. So oh, only plays be... Mew. I'm tripping then. Okay, I'm misremembering. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe as of late hasn't, but like Fabrizio's <laughs> the Mew demon for sure. What? about you go ahead. You pick first. All right. Well, I'm gonna. Uh, I was gonna keep it simple and probably just pick Petrucci, but I'm gonna go with Pedro Petrucci. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna be simple. Also, Pedro likes Garden. I am so kind of doubling down too. I'm kind of doubling down on mine too because Pedro has been playing a lot of guard for so. Um, I'm gonna. I guess I'll go with William as a veto here. William kind of changes what he plays pretty regularly. You know, he's bouncing around between a lot of decks. He doesn't usually. He has been playing Gardevoir most recently. It looks like, but he played quite a few different things last year. Um, so. Maybe he'll hop off the Guard of War train and move over to <laughs> move <laughs> over to the to the Lost Box. All right. Well, we each got a player. We each got a deck for the tournament this week. We'll see how it all all plays out. I'm excited <clears throat> to hopefully watch it live. I mean, there's a stream, so I should be watching it live. I don't know what time it starts, but you'll figure it out, buddy. I believe in yeah. you. It'll probably be they're like one hour ahead of Eastern time, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I missed the first couple rounds, but. No, wake up early, rise and grind, nope. buddy. Come on, get in there. <laughs> I'll probably start in my stream about like 10 a.m. my time, but all right. Well, we can move on to our next topic here. Uh, this is something that was reported by Poke Beach, and it was that Creatures, which is you know the company in Japan that makes the Pokemon trading card game, designs all the cards, all the those good things. Uh, Creatures has announced that it will be taking action against those who sell counterfeit pokemon cards on auction platforms in japan for example they name replica pokemon cards and metal pokemon cards um it does specify here in japan so it does make me wonder Mm. like if this is gonna really have much of an impact on what's happening in america right now but like if you just hop over let's let's go to like amazon here real quick and you type in pokemon cards which is what 90 percent of like parents (laughs) parents <laughs> and grandparents are gonna do um yeah i'm actually not seeing 
I feel like I usually log in here and I see like all these gold cards, the the ones that are mentioned here, like this metal Charizard VMAX that's pictured. I'm actually not seeing it even here on Amazon right now, but um, not uncommon to see these things popping up uh, in like kids binders and stuff like that. Like multiple times I've got kids in my neighborhood that have come up to try to trade cards at the house here and stuff like that. And um I'll look through their binders and have to break the sad news to them that this like <laughs> page of 30 metal cards that they have there. They're not authentic Pokemon cards. They are cool looking for sure. Yeah, that's um, yeah, it is. I see. I mean, yeah, just in Japan. So I don't know how much TPCI cares about this or if creatures would ever, you know, pressure TPCI to care more, I guess would be like a potential question as well. Um, but yeah, just cracking down in Japan. I mean, it makes sense, right? I wonder how far that ever goes in terms of just shutting down non-official Pokemon stuff as well. But um, I'm sure they're not ever like they're they're not go, trying to go to extremes. Yeah, I guess it's maybe just like the cards more so in general. Um, auction platform is this so eBay? Yeah, who auctions? Auction yeah, who auctions is huge in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah. Is eBay as big in Japan or is Mercari, Yahoo like Mercari. The... It's not as big, but it is in Japan. It's just not as big. Most people who sell on eBay in Japan actually like sell overseas to Americans. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Or to the rest of the world, I guess. But um yeah. it's interesting to see them cracking down on this. I want yeah, I just, I just wonder where this like potentially leads. Is that something where they care more about this in uh, outside of Japan eventually as well? Like over here in Europe and America and everywhere else? Or is this something just like where is it a problem also in Japan or is it just something where they finally just been like, you know what? We're kind of sick of them uh, taking our cards, but they say like specifically they name replica and metal Pokemon cards. So it's like almost cards that are like put out there as not real Pokemon cards um, as opposed to like, what am I thinking with that? Where am I trying to go with this? There's no as opposed to, to people who are trying to like pass them off as authentic yeah know? yeah it's like it's like they're trying to get rid of people who are like purposely making fake pokemon cards and putting them out there as fake pokemon cards as opposed to people who are making fake pokemon cards and trying to put them out there as real pokemon cards but maybe they yeah. already try maybe they've already been always well, shutting that stuff down and this is kind of like the it's like we know you know you're not making a real pokemon card and you're not advertising as a real pokemon card but we don't like that so now we're also shutting yeah. this down as well i mean it definitely feels like the type of thing that can like it's just kind of a bad look. It, is, it, could be it can leave a bad right? taste in. Like, imagine you're a parent or grandparent. You buy these cards for your, your kid because uh, you think, and, you know, they, you, you got a good deal on eBay or Amazon or whatever it is. You think they look cool. <clears throat> you get them for your kid. The kid loves them, thinks they're awesome. They go take them to school, show them to all their friends, come back home sad because they found out their cards aren't real. You know, that yeah, just kind of leaves your, a bad taste in your mouth as the person buying the yeah. cards to, like, ever even want to buy any cards in the future, you know? Yeah, like trainer chip told me my cards are fake. <laughs> Bro, trainer chip is dead. Come on now, get with the program. Chip Richie told me my <laughs> cards are fake. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Probably more of a problem than like any other like Pokemon products out there that are like non non official Pokemon products. And their statement here, I mean, it does specifically say counterfeit items interfere with the integrity of their products. Because I mean, it's just yeah. in general. A bad look i feel like um, yeah yeah because it still has your product name on it it still has your characters on it that um you know and pokemon you know we know as people who've been involved 
in the game community or whatever for years and years like they are extremely protective of their ip right yeah 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 i guess this is why i'm like, interested is like why now is it seem that they care more um because like this has been going on for a long time right it's been like a new thing where these fake cards have existed existed for a while but it's like and all of a sudden they care more so maybe it's just become more it's just like escalated to the point where they're like okay before it was like, you know, one person, Joe Schmo, was making fake gold Charizard cards and they would pop up now and then. But now it's like gotten so big that they take notes, which I guess is usually how these things work, right? When something gets big enough to annoy them, then they're going to take their, they're going to take action. All right, Chip, you're muted. I know you're, I know. My bad, you're talking my about. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I did see in the Poke Beach comments here was someone. Uh, saying that they hope this doesn't like impact people who sell like custom Pokemon cards. So like, yeah, I've seen that. Have you ever seen that before where it's like someone will make a custom Pokemon card that's like someone's pet or something like that, or, you know, a full art trainer card of themselves or, you know, a friend of theirs, something like that. Give it as a gift. Um, Or when people do like the, well, I guess these would be a little bit different when people like, yeah, that would be different when people like paint on the cards and kind of extend the artwork of a card. To, yeah, like, that's a little different card. too. Yeah. Altering the existing card, right? Yeah, I think that yeah. all those things for Pokemon feel like they're definitely like the other things are like less. They maybe malicious. don't love it, but this is like the the counterfeit cards is definitely worse than those things. I I feel like at least yeah. I don't know. I mean, all the things that you just mentioned definitely feel way less malicious than something yeah. like this, right? Where it's like they're trying to and also like they're trying to put out a product that like trying to more so pass as a Pokemon card and trying to make a profit off of it, as opposed to someone being like, you know, saying, you know, for sure, this isn't a real card because you're the trainer on the card. So it's not real for <laughs> sure. Right. So. Yeah. No, people who are doing those things, they're not trying to like pass them as authentic Pokemon cards for sure. But yeah, we just wanted to kind of give an update here on something that felt like a little bit of news happening in the Pokemon world. We'll see if maybe this extends outside of Japan in the future. Maybe TPCI will make, uh, well, I don't think, see, the thing is, is like, I don't feel like TPCI would make an announcement that says like, we're cracking down on this. I think they would just do it, you know, like we probably get out that it's something would probably get out of own eventually and there would be like a an article on poke beach where it's like this has been happening more this is like a stance that it seems that tpci is making i feel like um or maybe they would yeah would tpci ever do an announcement now you got now you got me thinking about that would tpci ever do like i don't think they would announce it right that would sounds like it would just start i think they're just sending out cease and desists you know yeah yeah it would maybe get out there we'd maybe hear about it that uh, it seems like pokemon's going after Or TPCI is going after people for having fake cards or distributing fake cards, I guess, more so than anything. Yeah, I don't think like, I, yeah, I was don't... wondering if this is like kind of already happening because I'm like just like scrolling through. I just typed in like Pokemon cards on eBay and Amazon. And I'm I used to every time I would do that, I would see a lot of them. And now I'm seeing less of it. I do see it a little bit here, like here on eBay. Let me pull it up here on the YouTube video for everyone. Um, you know, we see this like Pokemon gold foil pack 55. Like this is all like gold fake cards, right? Uh, here's yeah. like a fake gold like and they're they're selling it as like a metal Isn't that Mario card. card. I feel like real? if you click on yeah, there the is a real version real. of this card, yes. But like this person oh. is selling this like gold plated version. And I yeah. feel like even in the description they have to say something like you know not a real it's not yeah. It doesn't really say anything about that. They are really upselling it, though. <laughs> the cards are beautifully designed, featuring vibrant colors and <laughs> intricate details that truly capture the essence of the Pokemon characters. 
the gold medal gives the cards a premium feel and makes them stand out from other Pokemon cards. So, I mean, to that sentence right there almost makes it sound like they're trying to, like, say it's, like, a better-than-real Pokemon card, you know? Yeah, you thought your Pokemon cards were good, but I made my <laughs> own Pokemon cards, and they're better. Right. Um. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, like, a... Whoever wants, like, the best <laughs> the gold Pokemon cards. Yeah, it's funny. You always just add gold to something if you're trying to make it more premium. Yeah, I'm actually just like looking on Etsy now that you mentioned that you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, that's page. another big marketplace that has a lot of yeah. these things. But all right. Well, we just wanted to give that update. We'll keep our eyes on it. Maybe TPCI makes an announcement. Probably not though, but uh yeah. Well, maybe you'll see less of these popping up in binders in the future years. Who knows? With that yeah, being probably, said though, no, go ahead. Kids. Probably best for the kids. So chip or trainer chip doesn't just or yeah, chip Richie doesn't destroy <laughs> their dreams. Telling them they have fake Pokemon cards. Gotta break it to them, you know. Let them down easy. Let them down easy. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to our guess that flavor text. But before we do that, we of course do need to give a quick thanks to the sponsor of the podcast, Dragon Shield. Huge thanks, of course, as always, to Dragon Shield for being a sponsor of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Dragon Shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market including sleeves, binders, deck boxes, and so much more. And they actually sent us one eye, uh, some new sleeves. They've got a couple new colors out and their new Halloween sleeves, their artwork sleeves as well. As uh, well, you got the boxes here you want to show everyone. Yeah, for anyone who's watching on YouTube, oh, they're a little bit hard to see because my camera is not <laughs> autofocus on. But the new colors, Justice and Truth. Um, it's like a gray, silver, and then a brownish gold kind of like copper almost yeah yeah but the new colors picked it up as always yeah always appreciate dragon shield um for hooking us up with their the newest products the newest and latest. yeah then they also had the, the artwork brush sleeves which unfortunately you can't use at pokemon Do you think that'll ever change now that now that like that's much you probably think they'll ever, ever let probably not right yeah well they would never let it on stream i don't think there's like sure. not a reason for them to change that rule but yeah, yeah i've actually been using uh, i've been using a lot of the artwork sleeves recently because i have built a couple lorcana decks i've built a couple one piece decks and i've got you know these artwork sleeves that i've been sent over the last couple of years that i can't use for pokemon decks so i've been using them for those decks and they actually feel pretty good I, it does yeah uh, i would be down to use some of them i, I really i've got uh, these on one of my one piece decks the uh the like panda dragon this guy's this guy's sick you know <laughs> i would definitely rock these if i could and they actually feel really good and shuffle good and feel like good quality but yeah unfortunately you can't use them at official pokemon events yeah yeah shout out to dragon shield as always for sponsoring the podcast you can check them out at dragonshield.com slash web shop slash us or eu and as always they're available literally everywhere else local card shops amazon walmart you name it they're there go get yourself some dragon shield sleeves just not the artwork ones if you plan to play in a competitive pokemon tournament but if you're playing plan in a one piece tournament go and rock them uh yeah with that said let's move on to guess that flavor text it's my turn this week to pick a card for chip to try and guess which pokemon belongs to the flavor text i'm about to read him if chip gets it right on the first guess or gets it right without out without using any lifelines chip gets four points for each lifeline used minus one point lifelines are what's that the card is from what stage of card is read an attack name chip are you ready for this week's flavor text Hit me with it. Let's go. I think it's very possible you just get this one. Oh, so sick. Because it feels, it. it's like lore heavy. So if you just know the lore, then I feel like you just know it. All right. Are you, 
It brought rains by opening portals to another world. It was revered as a bringer of plentiful harvests. You didn't get it immediately, so Ooh. I feel like you don't just know it. But that's what I was saying. Like, like when you read that, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. There's no, just like feels, one. Feels like it's definitely like a mythical Pokemon is what my guess is. Like maybe some legendary, but probably like a mythical Pokemon. I'm leaning towards like Manaphy right away. But I don't feel like in the lore... Does Manaphy come from like different worlds? I don't know that for I sure. Know. I mean, in the fact that you said it's like a bringer of rainwater, definitely feels. Well, it like... doesn't say it's from another world. It just brought it by opening portals to another world. Okay, but like I don't know that Manaphy. I know someone over there. Does that what? Uh, uh, read read me the flavor text one more time. Uh, it brought rains by opening portals to another world. It was revered as a bringer of plentiful harvests. I don't know if Manaphy knows anybody in other worlds. The bringer of plentiful harvest line is what's kind of catching up with me here. And I think like Would that just be based on the rain though. Well, okay, you're trying to like trip me up, I feel <laughs> Well, like I'm here. just saying like the rain the is rain, the, the rain leans me into like thinking about a water. That's Pokemon. how stuff grows, Chip. Like Right. But the bountiful harvest the plants need uh, rain. The bountiful harvests thing <laughs> really sounds a lot like shaman, to be honest. I feel like it, and it could be uh, Celebi as well. I think either of those two. I think those are my three front runners. It's probably like Celebi, then, or sorry, probably Shaman, then Celebi, then Manaphy last. But I just don't know that any of these Pokemon are opening up portals. I think Celebi is the one who's most likely to be opening up portals. Um, well, why is why is Manaphy open up portals? I want to why, like what? I don't think it is. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I, don't I think, think Manaphy said it is was. Opening I portals. think said it was most likely. No, no, no. Least likely, I think Celebi is most likely to be opening portals. Aren't Manaphy and Fion like connected? Why is Fion not in your thought process? There is Fion just I don't think think Fion is like baby Manaphy, pretty much, right? Something like that. I I don't know as much of the lore about this section. You're definitely just trying to distract (laughs) me and trip me up, though. So I need you to be quiet. All right, I'm gonna use a lifeline here, though. I'm gonna just start with what set the card is from. It is from Arceus. Platinum Arceus. Okay. Uh, I feel like it just has to be Shaman then. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to walk in uh, Shaman. Let's see it, Azul. It is not Shaman, Chip. What? No. Oh. I'll go through the last couple lifelines here for anyone who's listening, and then you can have one more guess if you want, Chip, at the end for zero points. It is a stage one Pokemon. Oh, gosh. With an attack Hyper Beam. You got a final guess, Chip? A stage one with hyperbeam from Arceus. Um, no, I don't think I do. I mean, <laughs> all right, it yeah, go ahead is Bronzong, but of course, the bringer of rain and plentiful harvests. Bronzong, how could Bruh. you forget? But this is one where I read it. I was like, I was like, if they, if you just, how was anyone it, ever going to get this immediately? I mean, I was like, I don't know. You decipher stuff pretty elaborately sometimes. So I was like, if if you just, get, if you don't get, if you get to asking the other lifelines, I was like, well, if you ask stage one, then you're going to lock it on that. And then I was like, the two attacks were wide laser or hyper beam. I was like, well, if I say wide laser, I feel like that probably, I don't know why that would tell anyone it's bronzong, but I was like, that seems like a more specific attack than hyperbeam. So I was like, I'm does Bronzong even attack. learn hyperbeam in the games? Like, I would assume so. Is it is that actually like canon with the cards? Like, if the Pokemon can't learn in the games, can do the cards ever have the attack? 
I don't know. Are you gonna look that up right now? Can you learn? Look up if, I'm just looking up if Bronzong can learn this move in like platinum. <laughs> I assume it can. I just assumed that was actually always a thing. But now that you mentioned, I actually don't know. I don't even know. I just thought it was like canon to the video game. Whatever the cards had as attacks, they could also have in the video game. But I guess I could see the. I mean, the card game is different to an extent, of course. But it can learn hyper beam in Generation Four. Man, come on, Chip. You need to ask a couple more questions. You definitely would have been off Shaman and Celebi pretty fast. You think you would have ever gotten this? I would have never gotten this, though. I definitely would have never gotten this. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't have thought of Bronzong as a Pokemon that knows Hyper Beam. (laughs) Let us know if you got... I feel like this was a kind of hard one, to be honest. So if anyone anyone listening got Bronzong as your guest, definitely let us know. Yeah, let us know down below. And then, yeah, we got 151 coming out this week. I'm excited to play... With the set, I actually plan to do, I do like 12-hour streams, usually on set releases. Uh, and I plan to still stream on Thursday when the set drops on PDCG Live. Uh, it won't be my normal 12 hours, though, because like I, I forgot I had a dentist appointment scheduled Hell. for Thursday. And I was thinking about canceling it, but I was like, you know what? I haven't been to the dentist in, well, that's not true. I went for a checkup to this dentist. I hadn't been to a dentist in like five years. I mentioned this on the podcast uh, until I had my checkup. But my teeth are fine. They need to do like a little bit resurfacing of my fillings and like I have to get my cleaning, of course, but that's what I'm going in for on Thursday, my cleaning. But I was like, I probably shouldn't postpone it. Like I know the new set's coming out, but I was like, I probably should just, you know, get it done, get to it. So uh 151's coming out. I'm not gonna be doing my 12 hour stream like I usually do, but uh they're doing something new with the packs. And that's like the you know, for anyone who doesn't know, the Japanese packs have god packs where every i don't think card... every set does though right? i think it does i could ask lorelei right now if you want me to um, <laughs> is she in i think here? so no but <laughs> i can <laughs> i can i could i could bring her on the pod real fast for a, a, a cameo <laughs> a guest appearance a yeah. celebrity cameo yeah <laughs> yeah let's get um, let's ask her real quick I, I don't think every set does i'm not 100 percent sure but yeah lorelei will definitely know for those who don't know his little girlfriend she uh like streams and does box breaks and stuff like that for all the new sets and um japanese and english and like all, lots yeah. of other card games and stuff as well so she definitely <laughs> she's an oh, expert no. on the subject but yeah danny O tweeted out a picture of an english pack said it took him 1500 packs but they do exist confirming the existence of a quote-unquote god pack so not every single card in the pack is like an ultra rare level card which is what, is what it would god be over are. in japan but there is a full evolution line in the pack. So it makes me wonder if it only oh, exists for the three starters, right? Is it just like a Venusaur Blastoise? Oh, probably, yeah. Charizard I think, I've only thing? seen them. I've seen a, I've seen more besides Danny's photo. They were only ever Charizard or Blastoise. I mean, I think it's the first time I've seen the Venusaur, but it's always just Charizard, Blastoise, or Venusaur, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so the, the three alt arts kind of combined in one single pack. Definitely like a cool little chase thing, for sure, right? Yeah, definitely. And for I think... Th- the people who are interested in it, obviously, this is not like, <laughs> you know, you're not going out and cracking yeah. packs looking for this. <laughs> but, but. but to be honest, if I'm opening a pack and I rip it, that's pretty sick, though, still. Like, that'd be... <laughs> it's quite cool. hype. Yeah, because, like, yeah, God Packs. Like I said, I think they exist in every Japanese set. Um, Maybe we can just Google that and find out. But, I mean, we've never had any kind of God Pack thing ever in an English set, I don't think. Um. So it's cool to see it finally happen here in 151. Um, and hopefully something they continue to do with it with at least special sets. Although I think it'd just be cool to have them. It would just be like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's worth it's just like not, not, not that big of a deal to include them with like every set release. But like I said, I don't know how they even how they even do them in Japan, but I'm pretty sure for Japan it's like literally every set. I'm not sure though. 
Yeah, but definitely a cool thing. I mean, you can see Danny. Danny's like a um, you know, seller vendor and uh so he's got his product early to like stock his singles and stuff like that, I'm sure. Um starting cracking packs and it took him 1500 packs to make this happen. And I mean, this is a set that there is no booster boxes for. I think it's just the elite trainer boxes that yeah uh for the special sets do they have 11 packs in them now is that right i think there are 11 packs is it only etb is that the only product for right now for one no there's also booster bundles which is like a new thing they started doing midway through the scar or the sword and shield era where it's pretty much like the same type of box as a build and battle kit but it just comes with six packs. So it's just a booster bundle. That's probably the best and quickest way to just get your hands on a bunch of packs. So I wonder what products these came from. If, if Danny, what, what was, what was he cracking mostly? But that is uh regardless, no matter what product he was cracking, that is a ton of booster packs opened up. Uh, yeah. Ton of product <laughs> opened up to get to this point. 1500 to find the God pack. I did a quick Google search. It looks like, Probably God Packs are not in every Japanese set. Wow. Probably some of them more. All right. right. Well, and Azul was wrong. Okay. But it's cool to see them finally enter a set in the Pokemon uh, over here outside of Japan in the Pokemon TCG. So, and hopefully they continue to do that for, for us in some way in future, like special sets or whatever. Um, having those kind of God Packs. It's just something cool. It's a cool thing to have. But I think it's like specifically the way they did it with the lines is, is uh, specifically cool. You get like the full yeah. alternate art line. Oh, yeah. That's super sick without a doubt. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just a cool thing we wanted to share, something to maybe look out for if you get some packs this weekend to crack. I'm going to try to pick some stuff up maybe this weekend myself. I know Azul will not be, but, you know, I like hey, to go open up a... Yeah, okay, right, buddy. <laughs> When's the last time you went to a store and bought a booster pack, like, genuinely? Mm, uh, so I did no. It, it's been a long one, <laughs> but I did, like, get a... The last... I did get a pack from Lorelai. I bought... Uh, one of the Lord of the Rings packs from her that could have had Dude, the one okay. ring. Okay, I'm talking about a Pokemon set. When is well, the last? Yeah, time but that's you... still something. Okay, okay. When is? Surely you can think of the answer to this. When is the last time you spent money on a sealed Pokemon, Pokemon pack? Not like buying singles, obviously. When is the last time you spent money like at a store, online, whatever it was? Yeah, I mean, you're not ever just like checking out a Target and you're like, yeah, you know what? I'll throw five bucks at a booster pack. We'll see what I get. No, I I, don't, I can't even like think of a product that I do that with in general. Nope. I can't remember the last time. Like I... even like X and Y era, maybe that far back. Did you oh, buy an elite like, trainer box for any set? No, I've actually never bought an ETB. I don't think the ETBs like when <laughs> ETBs came out, it was like past the time of me like going on my way to get products. Mm -hmm. uh, poke, it was like Pokemon the end of the products. black and white era. Yeah. Even like back, yeah, I, yeah, I, I've been buying singles for like a while now. Like converted over to like the buying singles and like not ever buying like products for like a really long time. Now that I'm thinking about it, the last set that I remember buying, I think it was Furious Fists. That's like you the last bought one. Some packs of Furious Fists. Yeah, at a Target actually. Okay. <laughs> so, so there you that's go. the last time I remember it. Yeah, that set came out in 2014, so it's been almost 10 years as old. Yeah, I, yeah, it might, it might have, it might have been that long to be honest. Like, yeah, I can't remember the last time. And the only, yeah, the only reason I've ever gone out, maybe past that, to ever go out of my way to buy a pro a product was literally to get like a promo, like one of the blister promos sure. for something. But that's like not really just to get, just open Pokemon cards for the sake of opening Pokemon cards. But if there's like a twenty dollar collection box that has like like the Dragonite V promo or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mewtwo V Union. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, we just wanted to kind of share some of that info about the booster pack, something to keep your eye out on if you're opening up some packs this weekend. But of course, we are mostly focused on the competitive side of things over here. So we wanted to talk about five cards that we are excited for. It's not necessarily like our top five, but just kind of things that we think are going to be fun to try out that we think have decent competitive potential maybe, or that, you know, or at least going to be fun to experiment with. Um, and the first one here is all that we wanted to talk about is Blastoise EX. I'm just going to read the cards real quick as we go through for anyone who doesn't know what they do. Um, Blastoise EX is a stage two water type Pokemon with 330 hit points and it has the solid shell ability. This Pokemon takes 30 less damage from attacks and then its attack for two water energy is twin cannons, 140 damage or 140 X discard up to two basic water energy cards from your hand. This attack does 140 damage for each card discarded in this way. Azul, what do you think of the Blastoise? Um, yeah, it's like tough. It's a stage two. What are you going to play it with is a question. The stats are just so high though, right? 330 yeah. HP, effective 360, right? Like for that first hit coming in, you know, they're going to have to do 360 damage. Got like a path to the peak. There's play. nothing one shotting this. Right? Yeah, like, we're not getting one like, KO. Giratina V-Star. Yeah, we could get Requiemed. Um, and then 280, right? You're, you're knocking out the Tina V-Star back, right? You're doing 280, but energy for the attack. Can't play Melanie with it. Are we playing Palkia V-Star? Probably. And then you need the two water energy in hand. How are we getting them there? Chi and Pao, maybe? We're just playing like Blastoise with some Chi and Pao and some Switch cards. Possibly. Energy Retrieval to get them yeah, back, Yeah, Energy right? Retrieval, Superior Energy Retrieval. Like, we have Superior Energy Retrieval in the deck with B-Barrel, maybe. And then you got Greninja. Like, that gives you, like, draw for turn plus attachment plus 280, right? One Superior does all that for you, so... Um, I don't know, like, yeah, Blastoise, Palkia, Greninja, B-Barrel. All right, we're cooking. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be great. In, in, in Japan, it hasn't popped up yet um, as being, like, a seemingly, like, a, a deck. Like, their last major tournament, nothing really popped up from 151 besides, like, the tech cards. No, like, main new archetype. So, mm-hmm. from what we can tell from Japan, there's no main new archetype coming to the set. But I think it's one of the potentially more viable EXs to give a shot, for sure. Yeah, like you said, stats just good. I mean, it just does, like, 280 for two energy attachments oh, is super super strong for sure yeah um, definitely. maybe this gets better whenever paradox rift comes out and we get that item card that lets you ditch a card from your hand to go search for two energy right yeah i, I can Having see that being a big boost to something like this for sure definitely 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 but yeah definitely. this card definitely seems solid solid show no pun intended okay <laughs> Next one is the deck that I think has the most potential to actually be an archetype, to make a new archetype. And this, like, initially in Japan, the thing is, like, our set lineup is just kind of, set release is kind of screwed up a little bit, where it's like, they had 151 before they had Obsidian Flames, but we had, we're getting 151 after we have Obsidian Flames. So I don't know how much that changes the potential viability of some of these cards. Probably not by much. Uh, but the Arbok was one that, like, when Guardi and Lost Box were, like, by far the two most popular decks, Arbok looked like it lined up pretty well into both of them. Uh, it's got 270 HP. The first attack to 70 damage for two dark energy, and then your opponent's active Pokemon, uh, or the defending Pokemon can't retreat. And then for triple dark energy, this is like the big attack. It is three dark energy, but dark patch is in the format as well as yep. dark ride to potentially recover them. Yep. Uh, 150 damage. Your opponent discards two cards from their hand. So you're not like completely hand locking people in the beginning of the game, but if you judge a lost box player and then make them discard two cards. That's annoying. And then at the end of the game, I owned it to two, Roxanne to two. 
literally put them to a dead hand, right? And uh, dark types here, one account most of the stuff in Gardvor, and then one account most of the stuff against Lost Box as well. And if you do run up against like a Dragonite, Dragonite is one of KO you, so you're going back and forth like a two of KO. So um, now that we're, at, we're kind of in a meta though, where Lost Box and Gardvor aren't by far the two most popular decks, I don't know if Ardvok is really going to be able to hang uh, and have an impact like it potentially could have. Yeah, this card is definitely interesting. Um, I think it is unfortunate, but like, obviously, I mean, it's probably a good thing that your opponent chooses the two cards that they discard from your hand. Yeah. If you just got to like pick which two to rip out of their hand, that would be uh, pretty busted. But look yeah, at their I hand picks, it would be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's tough uh, for this to be super, super strong just because there's so many answers to it, right? Like, even something like Mew V Max. I mean, they still have hey, we got a two other three too. cards in their hand after they draw for turn, right? If you judge them. Um, and you're not even one-shotting UV Max or Gardevoir. You're going to need some modifier in there somehow, probably Defiance Ban most likely, because you will definitely be losing the game, right? I mean, if the Gardevoir only has 10 HP left, then they can't ret retreat it that turn. So I think we're chilling with that one specifically because they can't accelerate and... That's fair. It's locked up, but... Um... But yeah, I mean, like a cool potential disruption deck, right? Judge, path, take away two cards, like... And then as the game gets later, start hitting with Roxanne's or Ionos. I don't know. Like, it definitely is a cool card to potentially take a look at, but the meta might be too... Uh, the meta's maybe not narrow enough for it to have, like, the impact it could have, for sure. And that's kind of one of the things with, like, the release schedule, right? Like, the game is designed for the, the set releases to be Paldea Evolved, 151, Obsidian Flames. And then ours set release schedule switches that up right we got 151 well after mm -hmm. uh obsidian flames now so you know it's not the game the, these cards are supposed to come out first and i'm sure the game is designed around that as well um, but thankfully like i said a little bit earlier was just that our schedules are seeming to get more and more aligned um as we are you know going through the going through the uh the current seasons or this last season into the season, our schedule really schedule with Japan is getting like more and more aligned up to the point where it seems like paradox Shards is being like released like a week apart. I'm pretty sure. So we're getting there. Honorable mention real quick to Wiggly Tuffy X. <laughs> Look it up. But I think that card is not too bad. It can definitely get a lot of HP. The next card we do want to talk about though, is probably the most unique card in the set as far as, yeah you know, doing something that's never been done before in the Pokemon TCG. And that is Alakazam EX. Uh, it's got Mind Jack, which is just a solid attack, 90 plus damage. This attack does 30 more damage for each of your opponent's benched Pokemon. So, you know, you can get up to some pretty reasonable numbers with that for two colorless. But the unique part of this card is its dimensional manipulation attack for two psychic energy. It does 120 damage, and this Pokemon can use this attack even when it is on the bench. Pretty unique effect. We talked about this card when it initially came out, as we are getting into the set release this weekend, Azul. What are you feeling about this card as far as its potential? Yeah, initially when it released, like the idea of, of the... the, the dimensional manipulation attack was like really cool but as we've actually gotten closer to the card coming out it's like i don't know 120 damage and there's not that there's not that many things you could sit in your active to have that big of an impact i guess uh, also your opponent could just boss his orders up your alakazam <laughs> right and i feel like being weak to dark right now is like not particularly great as well lugia stuff like that has dark attackers i don't know yeah it seems the, the attack is cool uh it leaves kind of the i guess it feels like it leaves the door open for more cards to have an attack like this in the future 
you know, now they've thought of it, they realize they can put it on a card. Maybe we'll actually see like a good card come out in the future with it. I don't think Alakazam is that card. Um, but I think you can make some cool decks with it. You know, you can leave like Empoleons in your active. You could leave Miltank in your active. You could leave Mimikyu in your active. You mm-hmm. could leave uh, who else we got? Did I go through them all? I think that'd be someone else. Got Those someone else. Definitely the big ones. Yeah. So you can leave something in your active that makes it harder for everyone to take a knockout or just like slows them down. Something like the Empoleon V would do that specifically against like Lost Box decks. Uh, Is there anything in the format like a Mana Swine GL, you know, that does like passive damage counters while it's active? I don't think so, right? Not that I can think of. You can't really even do anything with like Block Snorlax because you're always hitting the active as well with the Alakazam. So, yeah. um, Otherwise, something like that could be cool. Or maybe you could do some kind of weird deck where you like trap something with Block Snorlax, hit it for 120. What if it was like you can use this attack from the bench and you can do 120 anywhere? And it would make things more interesting for sure. For some reason, I thought that's what it, it did. Too, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it would be too good. Maybe. I mean, I don't think so because I feels like this this would be one of that this would be one of those decks where I could easily tech for it, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. for one tournament, it would show up with like Alkazam blocks Snorlax, and it would just be just destroy the tournament. And it's like okay, from there, I'm just gonna put a switch card in my deck. That kind of reminds me of like the uh, when me and DDG played the control. Zorark deck that Danny won LAIC with that year. Um, we played that deck knowing no one had switch in their deck, you know. But after that tournament, the control Zorark deck was bad because everyone just played one switch and the deck was all of a sudden bad. So sure. Um something like that could be good. But yeah, the only 120 to the active, I don't think, is enough. So yeah, unique card, but probably not good enough. I think the we should open for the future. We we should have mentioned Wiggly Tough instead of this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like the cool, it's like yeah, like you said, it's it is definitely the would you even say coolest most new unique thing? Card. Most unique. There we go. Yeah, most unique card coming out. So I think it's worth mentioning for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, it probably won't have the impact that it would be probably have been pretty cool to have seen. Um, but the next one we'll talk about, which we'll probably see play, um, but it is just kind of like a tech inclusion card, is the Zapdos CX. It's just going to slot right in, probably has a one of into Maridon decks. And we actually already saw it see some success at the tournament in Japan, 3,000 player tournament. Maridon took it all down. They included the Zapdos CX alongside the Halucha to be able to abuse it a little bit better. It's got the ability uh, Bolt Float. If you have any lightning energy attached to the Zapdos, it has free retreat, so it can be like a consistent pivot alongside being a decent attacker. And the attack is 120 damage and then does 90 damage to one of your opponent's bench Pokemon that has any damage counters on it. So that's why they include the Halucha if you want to get a more aggressive attack off with it in the early game. But they can also clean up knockouts later in the game as well. So just kind of a card that's just going to increase the power level of Maridon. I see this just kind of just being immediately included as one of... There's not really any other lightning deck in the format to take advantage of this, though, which kind of just is the Maridon deck. Yeah, and I feel like if you're playing this, you definitely should just include the Halucha for sure. Just give yourself at least that option. It's like such a small... Like, I think this card just yeah. naturally kind of fits decently in Maridon anyway. Um, and it, it just feels like a w- just one card inclusion that can give you such a big burst if your opponent doesn't respect the potential of you putting it out. Now, I also could see just like not playing this card you've got mu ex coming out and that can just be your free retreat pivot in the deck and also be yeah. a good attacker for you it's a little harder to get the mew into play because obviously you can tandem unit down the zapdos you can't do that for the mew but mew is probably just overall still the more powerful card but the zapdos is certainly cool i could see not playing it at all but i think it probably is worth playing at least at the start and i definitely would include it with halucha yeah, yeah. It definitely seems like a pretty easy one of inclusion. But like you mentioned, you could be good in there as well. And that's what we saw from the list over in Japan. It was not only rocking the Zapdos, but probably 
what is the going to be the best card out of this set and probably a pretty good card for a pretty long while unfortunately it's not bringing us a new arc the best card from the set usually brings us a new archetype i feel like this set i don't think we're going to see we might not see a new competitive archetype but uh, yeah the mu ex 180 hp it's got the restart ability once in your turn you may draw cards until you have three in your hand so anyone who is familiar with the instruct orangaroo it's back on the mu a two prizer this time around though probably for the best to be honest to have that powerful ability probably best on something that's a little bit more of a liability and then Once for the again, attack the disrespect <laughs> to cricketune v is just unbelievable <laughs> right now to be honest yeah but it, but cricketune didn't have a good attack triple colorless energy genome hack choose one of your opponent's active pokemon's attacks and use it as this attack so not too ridiculous has to copy an active pokemon's attack attack but it's pretty good in like the back and forth of some matchups, you know, like uh, we saw this also being played in the in that tournament in Japan in Lugia. So against like, uh, I don't know, if you go up against like a T-Tar or anything that hits really hard and you're going back and forth in a two prize trade, you can come up and swing back up against like a Maridon deck. Maridon does 220, uh, Mew EX <laughs> does 220 back. It's the KO on the Maridon. Uh, and then also something that Cricketune does not have that Mew does have. And also we don't really have a tool to support Cricketune right now, like the uh, air balloon that we used to have. But Mew has free retreat cost. So it's a draw support Pokemon in the ability with a solid attack, a situationally solid attack that has free retreat cost, which makes it a consistent pivoting your deck as well. Yeah, Mew cards are always pretty good. And this one, I think, is uh, the same. Definitely a solid one. Not a broken Mew card like Mew mm -hmm. Max, but a solid one nonetheless. Yeah, I was listening to the Tag Team podcast this week, and they were talking about this card and... One of the things they said is that this just like this feels more like a Mew card than something like Mew V Max does, right? Yeah. Like Mew is the versatile Pokemon. And that was the name of that, you know, powerful ability on the old Mew EX. And even the older Mew EX, it was its, it, the name of its Pokebody um, versatile because it can just copy any attack in play. Now, this is a little more limited, only a copying your opponent's active Pokemon's attack, but it fits more in line with kind of just like the lore of what Mew is. You know, it can learn all of the game, the moves in the video game. Um, so it, it can just kind of fit whatever mold you need. Uh, whereas Mew VMAX is just kind of like, okay, sure, it copies attacks, but you know it's more was... limited because it can only copy fusion strike pokemon's attacks yeah. i mean you think about the good mew cards we've had over the years the mew from fates collide that could copy basic pokemon's attacks from the bench the older mew ex's uh this just feels like kind of a. I, I like that they made this card feel uh unique but also similar to like the older mew cards at the same time you know what i mean like they it would have yeah. been kind of boring if they just reprinted mew ex right which is literally something they did at one point mew ex got reprinted in like the middle of the x and y era for some reason remember that like promo print that came out that made it legal again yeah um yeah mew v max is just like really versatile at one hk on your active with a different attack but yeah yeah usually mew cards are like more like utility support pokemon uh cards overall and this one is kind of fits that like utility attackers almost right yeah utility attackers or like we look like at current mute that we have with uh mysterious tail right yeah sure sure it's like a solid pokemon that does something i feel like mews are always like solid pokemons that do something uh, i guess like if you look back at like mew trick mew was a pretty big part of that deck um but it was still like a little bit more of a versatile sense than like what mu v max was so yeah it definitely feels like i guess i i agree with that for sure this mu feels more like a mu card definitely without a doubt without a doubt so those are our kind of five cards that we're most excited for um a bunch of trainers we didn't really mention much here but 
Um, I mean, I think the big standout ones are definitely the energy sticker, you know, a potential to accelerate an energy into play. People freaked out whenever Turbo Patch was announced way back when, Azul, <laughs> I'm sure you remember. Um, yep. Haven't seen much panic about this one, though, and it accelerates to anything, not just basic Pokemon. It does have to be the bench, though. Yeah. What do you think about the energy sticker? Um, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, people aren't freaking about energy sticker because we did have Turbo Patch, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, Turbo Patch could attach to the active, but it had to attach to a basic energy sticker can attach to any Pokemon, but it has to be on the bench. So I think it would theoretically warrant the same amount of uh, panic if Turbo Patch had actually been good, but Turbo Patch was good in one deck, which was the Turbo Vega Vault deck, and then rotation happened shortly after, and it was never heard of or seen ever again. So <laughs> um, I think it'll give some life to make some decks that were otherwise just kind of bad uh, a chance to be like played, but they won't make anything good as far as I can tell for sure. So I don't think Energy Sticker is that good of a card. It'll just make some decks like it'll make some decks that were like truly unplayable just kind of fun to play now and then i think one other trainer i mean there's a few good ones in here but kind of the main other one i'd like to mention is the uh erica's invitation feels like a pretty good control card to me yeah your opponent reveals their hand choose a basic pokemon you find there put it onto their bench then switch that pokemon to the active spot so i think this card is like not that good in most things, but I think it would be, it, this will be a card that's played in very specific things. So like, you know, I think back to like this, something like this would have been super good in like ADP, right? Cause people went out of their way to not bench things yeah. that had low HP that could be targeted super aggressively. Um, so if there was like a aggressive deck like that in the format, maybe this card could be good in something like that. But then also it kind of just naturally feels like it fits into a control archetype, right? Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like a combination of what is that card called back in the day that you looked at your opponent's uh, hand? Captivating Pokepuff. Yeah, Captivating Pokepuff plus boss in one card as a supporter. But yeah, not something that's like truly. I, I mean, to be honest, I this doesn't seem like terrible to include in like a deck that like is a more aggressive, just like attacking deck, like a Lugia or a Gardevoir. I mean, like, if your opponent's bench is full, you can't play it. If your yeah, opponent doesn't more like, have any basic Pokemon, you can't. It's more so like it. your opponent doesn't have like a two prize Pokemon in play, and like like specifically against Lugia, this could be really good because Lugia like purposely tries to go out of the way to not bench two prize Pokemon, and then all of a sudden like you had to hold them in your hand, right? So then all of a sudden you can hit him with the yeah. So I'm saying like maybe you could this could maybe be like a one of in some more aggressive decks, but yeah, probably like will just be like Max. yeah, probably will just be like a yeah. I don't hate it. Put it in a Mew deck. <laughs> Play Echoing Horn and Erica's Invitation. You just tackle them for both <laughs> angles. It's like either you bench the Pokemon or you discard it and I Echoing Horn it or you keep it in your hand and then I hit you with the Erica's Invitation. Um, or so it's in their it, deck but... and none of your cards do anything. That's fine. You're going to lose anyway. So you had to go through one for one of your outs. And if those don't work, you're losing anyway. So, okay. <laughs> it's Erica's Invitation or bust. So we may as well play it and hope they have something in their hand. But yeah, let us know down in the comments what are the cards you are most excited for from Pokemon Card 151. There's still plenty of other unique cards in here that we didn't mention, uh, but those are the kind of standouts to us, at least at the moment. Azul, any other honorable mention you want to give? I mean, I've shouted out Wiggly Tough enough times, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would just be Rigid Band is the other one, uh, the other item card that I think is like potentially going to see a lot of impact. Stage 1 Pokemon takes reduced 30 damage from attacks. Um it seems pretty powerful overall, to be honest. Like just a powerful tool card. And for you know, stage what you can put Pokemon. it on. You know, what you could put four of them on. 
No, stop. Reverend Room, stop. baby. No. <laughs> and you know, you know how Reverend can finally get its energy acceleration, get its energy to actually attack. The stupid patch card. The sticker, sticker, quad rigid band, Reverend Room, coming to a PTCG Live ladder game near you. Azul, if that's not the first thing you stream when this set comes out, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> it probably won't. The first thing I'll stream will probably be some kind of Arbok deck because I just want to try and make Arbok work. Oh, well, with that said, I think that is going to do it for this week's episode. Azul, you got any closing thoughts or anything? You ready to send it out? Yeah, no. Thanks uh, everyone for watching. But uh, yeah, I don't got anything. Chip, send us away. Yeah, thanks a bunch. Of course, as always, to our listeners, everyone sticking around, listening, checking out the podcast. If you do enjoy, please be sure to leave us a rating. If you're listening somewhere or if you're watching here on YouTube, drop us a like, a comment, all those things. We asked like a lot of questions this week, I feel like, about <laughs> uh, wanting people's opinions in the comments section. So drop those comments. Let us know. Favorite cards from 151. You know, all those things like that. If you want to stay connected with us, the best place to do that is over on the website formerly known as Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie. That's a, good, that's a better way to call it than calling it actually X. I like that. <laughs> the website <laughs> formerly known as Twitter. I like that. I don't remember who I heard say that. I did not come up with that. I cannot claim that, but I, I don't remember who I heard say it initially first. But um, yeah, you can follow myself at Chip Ritchie, Azul, at Azul underscore GG. And you can also follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. It was another Wednesday episode this week. We should be back to a Tuesday episode next week. Knock on wood. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that. it's pretty yeah. safe to assume if you don't hear from us on Tuesday, it will be a Wednesday. Maybe we yeah. should just like update like once a week instead of like having a hard like Tuesday. Because I feel like especially in October, dude, we're going to have a really hard time getting these out on Tuesdays whenever we're traveling literally every single weekend. It might be the only one that I'm going to definitely have to do a Wednesday episode will be pure the week after Peoria. But the other ones, I'm, I think I get back on Sunday, so I'll be good but okay we'll make it work we'll make it work um appreciate the support as always everyone hopefully tuesday but yeah catch y'all next week on tuesday most likely <laughs>